Welcome to FEPS Talks, the podcast series of the Foundation for European Progressive Studies. Find out more about us on feps-europe.eu. Welcome to the new episode of FEPS Talks. It is a very exciting one because we are finding ourselves in the studio with Jamila Madeira, who is the member of the National Assembly in Portugal, International Secretary of the Socialist Party, a former member of the European Parliament, a former Secretary General of the Socialist Youth in Portugal, and also a very prominent member of both International Union of Socialist Youth and uh, Young European Socialist Bureaus and Presidium, respectively, at the time. Jamila, really great to have you with us today. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you very much. Let me cut down to the chase. I mean, so many of us in Europe are looking at Portugal with a lot of jealousy. We are a year after the immense electoral victory, and we are a year since uh, you moved from a left-wing coalition government that was already a subject of a lot of curiosity in Europe to a party socialist, socialist party uh, government. Um, What is the ingredients? What is the secret behind the Portuguese success? First of all, again, thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure to be with you. But we never see our recipe has the perfect cake. <laughs> so uh, we obviously all, all the time see it has been all the time imperfect. And that's the key of the success is that we all the time assume that we, we don't know everything. We don't have all the answers. Each step we go further and deeper in the in trying to have a more uh, a fairer society and a more progressive uh, policies we we try to evaluate every time if it's happening truly so we never have the fear to go for a mistake because we are all the time ready to uh, change and correct to see if it acts properly so i think it's it's something that we learned uh, mainly well not only but mainly with the pandemics is that uh, we don't know anything about what's going on so what we want we want this so we want to increase salary so we want to increase it in public and we want to increase it in private so what we have to do dialogue what they say what we say we find the solution even after that we don't have the that solution accomplished we don't get stuck in that solution we evolve and we okay it it didn't work so uh we have to assume that uh, we need to change it again because the worst thing of a politician i believe and i think that helps in this uh, present situation in portugal and our prime minister is an expert in this is that we never know everything if we assume that we don't know everything we try and if there is a mistake we correct it with no how to say no hard feelings we want to to ensure everyone we are we are trying we are trying really so if it's not working properly it was not a problem of trying to have an underground agenda and to so it wouldn't work it's just that it didn't work uh, so we assume the error and we keep trying proposing a different solution that helped in employment that even have an absolute majority we had for the first time a social agreement with the private sector with all the bosses uh, that uh, with the conditions to for them to increase the medium salary which is something that we are targeting very very much because um, uh, we had that uh, track with the minimum salary but we need also to happen in the medium salary and obviously what happens in the enterprises is quite important 
We made an agreement for four years, something that it didn't happen for a long time. After that, so the salaries will increase in this agreement, in average, 5.1%. And we also, at the same time or after, weeks after, uh, the same uh, agreement with the public sector, with the unions of the public sector, with the same targets in the public sector, especially because it's not only about minimum salary, but also in the public sector, there is medium salaries that became a bit compressed with the minimum salary that by law increased and the others stuck. So we need to compensate those people also. So I think the main word is speaking the truth. I think it's, it becomes too simple. It's sometimes quite hard to communicate because the press always think that we have something undercovered and sometimes we are not, it's not easy to communicate, but also our prime minister and secretary general is quite available to go and speak to the people directly with companies going all the time around the country, assuming that, well, that's a different perspective that we didn't put in this law or that measure. So we next time we will add it. Next time we will try to figure how to fix that problem that still stayed behind. And that means that speaking the truth and really and truly trying to fix problems that are in the economy, in the families, in the discrimination problems, in gender gap, in the lower salaries, truly having the notion that the society is quite complex. It's not the thing of uh, academics. It's not the thing of only politicians. It's a thing of how all this uh, mixed together and how this really develops on the ground are really happening. So really happening, it's a new environment, it's a new ecosystem. So is it working? No. So let's try again. Assuming that it didn't work out because one thing is a theory, the other is the practice of things. So I think it seems difficult to explain like this, but it's truly, I think this is the success. But then being in contact with reality, it's also something that with dialogue, like I said. And it's quite important to create the screen of dialogue, but it's not only the screen, is that we are truly hearing what people are saying because they obviously have a different perspective. They obviously live their problems in a different way that we see it because it, it only means that we are in different positions. So we need, really need to understand and to put ourselves in the third position and see how can we mix this together to make it uh, work. And this also helps no matter or sector we are working on. So it's uh, a management of a government, of a policy uh, based on trust and uh, speaking the truth. I think that's uh, obviously since February and the de degradation of uh, living conditions, even though we are still growing and growing well, even though we have the well minimum employment rate since uh, a long time, even though people lost quality that they have been gaining. Uh, so still, now we are in a harder position than we were a year ago. When we compare with other countries, people understand that uh, we made a tremendous good track, but still they have an erosion on their power of purchase. So they feel, is it stopping or is it going back to where it was? Or So people are, are stressed, are, uh, they want different things than those they wanted one year ago. So now we are living a challenge and obviously the press, it's not quite, it's not very friendly. So we obviously need to uh, pass over the message directly to the people and 
not waiting for the press to do our job. So it's all the time very important to speak directly with who can help us to make things work on the ground. And uh, individual citizens, enterprises, schools, ONGOs, it makes a difference. People understand, uh, so they help us to achieve the goals. And that's critical because this is like, uh, I don't know if the, the, the word is quite, uh, this is a puzzle. Only with all the pieces together, we can make it, uh, we can see the whole picture. So if people don't help us, it, nothing will happen. Camila, let me walk you back because you are also economist by profession. So, uh, of yeah. course, when... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, so I have to ask about the uh, means as well, because when the um, Socialist Party got into the first government, uh, this was a very critical moment. Uh, Portugal was ruined by uh, different austerity-driven policies, uh, and uh, we were under this uh, sort of narrative uh, that there are things like welfare state we cannot afford. But ever since, uh, the government that you took responsibility for was living in the midst of crisis with the uh, recent one, energy connected and uh, cost of living one has been above us so how would you say in this year's um, the uh, socialist government managed to provide because it's not an easy it's not self-given thing the means and the reassurance that people needed to believe that uh, you know welfare state social policy public goods provision are not only affordable possible but actually a must first of all we look at the people and look the way people need to live so we started with the goal of keeping all the uh, the death all the the deficit uh, completely stabilized and and controlled we even though give back the what was cut during the troika of the salaries of the people with a particular focus on the the people that were living under quite hard conditions we all know that this is a well a push uh, forward for the economy which is quite critical because the, the lower salaries the lower payments are the ones that consume absolutely almost everything they, they receive as a salary. So this is a multiplier, a very critical multiplier effect on the economy. And besides increasing their quality of life, they were having uh, an enormous impact on the, uh, on the pushing of the economy. So this, in a simple way of seeing it, was important. And this gives the first push. And then the support to the companies were also uh, very important with strategies of new uh, sectors, new areas of development that could have the added value that we need to change our economy. Today, we have digital economy much more developed. We have investigation and research much more developed. Uh, we have passed from intense labor force economy to a completely different approach on which are the sectors that we live. Obviously, also following the lines the European Union gave, greener economy, Europe and so our socialist family, obviously, greener economy. So we focused very much on energy. We are changing the roads in terms of energy consumption. So we are changing in terms of industry and what our industry does in this uh, regard. Obviously, we still have a long way to do it in terms of transport, which is obviously not only a problem in Portugal, but in Europe, uh, because we are mainly focused on in cars, but still uh, we made a completely change in terms of consumptions, in terms of uh, uh, industry production, uh, uh, using renewables, using and developing that industry. So we, we changed the era of our industrial revolution and we made it happen in 21st century. Obviously, keeping an enormous focus in tourism, 
which is, which was and still is an enormous, impressive uh, weight in our national uh, product, but still trying to diversify to not have the problems that we had during the pandemics when tourism stops, all the economy uh, stops, which is, uh, well, a nightmare, <laughs> which is a nightmare. But then when it opened, we managed to keep them safe with the oxygen and the instruments. So when, when it opened, they started properly, uh, like uh, day one, and this helped to recover fast. So um, this was also important. You've mentioned the European Union, and I have to say that uh, uh, Prime Minister Costa is an incredibly devoted uh, pro-European. He was at the beginning of a conversation about the Conference on the Future of Europe. Uh, he hosted uh, together with your party uh, the second social summit where the European Pillar of Social Rights was discussed. Uh, and he also was in Strasbourg at the Day of Europe last uh, year to see the process of the discussion about what future for the EU, uh, how to see it through. Um, but from what you've also said, Portugal under your leadership is a Portugal that is protagonist of the different, of the implementation of the different European policies. I think during our presidency, it was important, the, the steps we gave with the social pillar, uh, this was quite important. Now we work on the work agenda, which is a, how to say, a progressive work agenda, which is means that we will change, we are negotiating the change of critical labor laws to ensure that in all these agreements that we made, we have parts that driven new responsibilities in the institutions, in the enterprises, and also in the employers to ensure that we have to diminish gender gap, gender salary gap, that we diminish the problems we have with the family, family work conciliation, that we find a, a stable trend for salaries and, and their proper pay, payment. So uh, to try to have a true society-wide agreement in terms of what a progressive agenda in terms of labor and, and to make it to everyone. We are in the last days that we, we wait to have it uh, in, a few, in a couple of weeks, uh, an output. The negotiations are hard, but are going well. So uh, this is a tremendous challenge because this is not just to speak and have the idea of a social pillar. This is trying to implement what we truly believe. It's a fair society, a fair labor force, uh, a fair enterprise world. So uh, we, we think that they all have to coexist in a balanced world that makes it uh, more socialist and progressive, uh, livable. <laughs> well, now you've tempted uh, for me for, to ask this question, and I absolutely have to, and I know that this is very premature as well. But uh, we are starting the new sort of, if you want, electoral cycle, because uh, 2024 European elections are just around the corner. You are the member of the uh, Party of European Socialist Leadership, being the presidency member, experienced uh, with many European debates in your very different hats. What do you think, and I know it's hard to predict, and I know that there have been a lot of difficulties and challenges that emerged, especially in the last week, uh, breaking the spirits of many of social democrats. But if you were to sort of uh, imagine the context of uh, this next 18 months, what do you think from the uh, perspective of the Portuguese socialists, what should the European Socialist Party campaign on 
to be successful and to help Europe become more progressive post-2024? I think we always, like I said in the beginning, we have to talk with the people. We have to find their answers. What do they need? What do they want to hear us talk to? Even there are simple things with no simple answers, but there are simple things. So in this trying and not achieving, but still trying again, if either we start now or when we start campaigning quite close to European elections, it will be too late because people say, well, now it's... uh, and we obviously we have a tremendous challenge, which is having a war in our territory. But we we really need to engage on, in making it end and to overcome all the problems that came after the war. And obviously trying to come back to the things that people really want is to improve their quality of life, improve their salaries, having more school, more health services, more uh, social help when they, they are in need, having, well, the European security system that really can help them in unemployment if, if that happens. So uh, working as a union and not as a... Uh, 27 member states, which sometimes people just understand what's Europe for if we are only 27 member states. So if we, as as socialists, try to deliver already from day, day one what people really want to see answered, I think we will have their trust, but it's one hell of a guess. <laughs> I don't know. Well, and politics is, and these days I think we've learned at so many different elections that trusting the polls is uh, the last thing one should do for many different reasons. But nevertheless, uh, since we are at the polls and since we are at unpredictability, um, one of the worrying phenomenon that we will be discussing within the conference that uh, you have been so generous as to host uh, in uh, Lisbon in the upcoming days will be the question of our moral obligation to stand up against the rise of uh, right-wing extreme and all the forces that uh, you know are anti-European uh, Union, anti-democracy, um, sell a lot of uh, alternative version of what empowerment, sovereignty and so on would be. What would you say uh, that in Portugal, when you know the uh, history of the Carnation Revolution isn't yet that old, not at all, how come that those forces could come to have say in Portugal? How come could they gain the ground? And what would be the strategy that you would think we should uh, look for uh, in order not to allow them uh, for the further advancements? Well, that's the one million question. <laughs> it's quite hard to understand. But it's obviously when there are problems that extreme right uh, grows faster because they make the answers to the problems of the people uh, make it look simple, but they are not simple. So they make it look like uh, if it's bad, it's it's not. They are not uh, being taken care with goodwill for the government or for whomever is in charge, they they just say that they are not solved because they don't want to solve it. With simple messages like this, and people in many cases tired to wait, they just go for it. Maybe this is different. Maybe, And that's very dangerous because either we truly show what this wolf in the cupboard has a a sheep is doing to the people and we have that ability or we will have tremendous problems. If we look back to what happened in the beginning of the 20th 20th century with the, the growth of extreme right, we will find some answers to what's happening or what may happen if we don't stop it properly. So 
yes, we make a siege and we say that uh, we don't want anything to have, we don't want to have anything to do with them, either their proposals or their views, but they are smart, uh, effective, and they're mixed. They go and they speak about uh, chemical castration, and the other minute they say that the they are here to defend the welfare, welfare state and uh, the well-being of animals. And uh, it looks like they are a normal party, but they are not normal. And we know that. And, and this is just a screen they want to make people believe. So it's not easy. One, well, in these two budgets we had the, in 2002, the one that stayed behind and the, the normal one. The first one, it was quite, I'd say, simple. We can say simple to say that we don't want extreme right proposals. We will not even take care of them. But the next one, in some cases, they copied proposals that were presented by other parties, democratic parties. Even if they didn't agree with them, they just introduced them to make it look, let's see what they do. And if we and if we open the siege and try to to separate what we are already normalizing it <laughs> and not understanding that this is just a game they are playing with us. So it's not easy, even though for you to see the parties that are not in extreme, extreme right, but that that uh, dispute the same ground, political ground with them, it's not our case, obviously, they understand they have to play the same the, the same game. And this is sometimes very difficult. For instance, uh, in these two budgets, we always had more, even having absolute majority, we always had more proposals from the opposition than from the Socialist Party approved. This is, was one target, and we all the time managed to do it. Obviously, sometimes they had to rewrite them, adjust, but always in dialogue. And we approved more proposals than in any other absolute majority ever in, in Portugal. In those two budgets, separated, not together, separated. So we made a tremendous effort to integrate others in our proposals. We are not just here to say no. But which was the only party that voted all the proposals we, we made, the extreme right? So this is uh, really difficult uh, because they want to clean their message, even if it's not a true message. They want to look at normal, but they are not normal. They are not democratic. We cannot normalize them. We have to find ways to not normalize them because if they find themselves with power, then we will have tremendous, tremendous problems for citizens, for parties, for democracy. Camila, just a very last question because it has been an incredibly rich and illustrative and instructive conversation. But you've said a few times uh, the most important thing is to remain connected. The most important thing is to listen to the people, to be having a courage and integrity to correct yourself whenever necessary. So I'm wondering, because uh, we I don't want to finish at this very pessimistic note. Um, and I know that you've been campaigning very hard in the national, regional also previously in the European elections. So can you share with us one story that you yourself sometimes get back to, like this sort of, and that's why we do it. Well, I think the best story we all have is the, the evolution of the minimum wage. If we, I think that said outside, you don't even imagine the numbers we had in, when we started in the government, we had a salary of 485 euros. And now at this moment, it's 760, still very much behind the minimum salary that we wanted to achieve. We managed in these seven years to make, well, um, an incredible change of 
of the lives of these people that live in very difficult conditions. At this moment, in less budget, we manage that these people that are having not 760, but that their wage is 765, are not taxed. They are protected because they are, if they are taxed, they will have less than the minimum wage. So we changed these people's life. They, 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 they almost doubled their salary from the day we started in government. So their living conditions, and we found them in the streets, in the buses, in the metro, they come to us and they said, my life completely changed. Even though I still have a lot of expectations to keep the social elevator up, only this, my life completely changed. So this is really ensuring that we are in the good uh, track, even if it's just one step. We, we Every day we try, every day we make uh, mistakes, every day we try to correct them. And this is something that makes us feel good and make us feel strong enough to continue. Thank you so much, Jamila. I think that uh, humble, trustworthy and never afraid social democracy is the lesson we are definitely drawing from this conversation. Jamila Madeira, member of the the National Assembly in Portugal and uh, International Secretary of uh, Socialist Party in Portugal has been your and my guest. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you a lot. Thank you for your attention. If you found our conversation interesting, do not hesitate to share it on social media with the hashtag FEPSTalks. More is yet to come. Stay tuned.